I'm Jim Cameron of Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, the home of Synergy Billing in Holly Hill, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, a program that delves into the latest in Volusia's governmental and political issues. Now, this show will include interviews with city and county as well as school board officials, members of our legislative and congressional delegations, and other members in the political community on a variety of topics. But everything will focus on matters that impact Volusia, directly or indirectly. And now for the news. By unanimous vote last week, Deltona City Commissioners approved a one-year, $200,000 contract with interim city manager Jim Chisholm that begins on March 6. In the meantime, the city commission agreed to hold a workshop on choosing a successor to Jim Chisholm next year. More information will be forthcoming. Next, Negotiations between the Volusia School District and Volusia United Educators reached agreement and both sides have approved a new contract for the coming year. So we have with us the president of Volusia United Educators, Elizabeth Albert. And Elizabeth, y'all have just completed the negotiations uh, for teachers and with the Volusia School District. So. How did that turn out? So we were very pleased with the outcome. The process took a little bit longer than we anticipated, but our instructional personnel are set to receive one of the largest compensation packages that we've had in recent history. It was the mutual goal, not only of the Volusia United Educators, but of the school board to acknowledge and recognize uh, through compensation, the work that mid-career and veteran teachers have done for this district, and we were absolutely able to meet that goal. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Next item, the Florida Department of Transportation and other agencies recently hosted a public input session regarding options to protect State Road A1A in Volusia and Flagler counties. FDOT is proposing to put buried secant walls along the North Peninsula starting at Sunrise Avenue moving into the Flagler County line in areas that are vulnerable to storm damage. At this meeting, I spoke with Volusia Public Works Director Ben Bartlett. We're here with Ben Bartlett. Public Works Director for County of Volusia at the A1A Resiliency Strike Team input session in Ormond tonight. And Ben, can you share with us a little bit about what the options that are being considered? Sure, so the DOT is planning on constructing uh, two locations up in the uh, northern part of Ormond by the sea, uh, what's called a secant wall, which is a uh, a seawall that will protect um, A1A from future damage during storm events. They're, once the wall is constructed, they're going to cover it with a dune system as well as dune plantings. And, um, you know, they've been uh, brought in county, Volusia County folks as well as uh, 
Flagler County and Flagler Beach people to coordinate and give input on what they're looking to do. And as far as the Volusia County sections go, we, we think it's a good plan and we think it'll go a long way in protecting A1A from future storm events. I also met with County Council District 4 member Troy Kent. So with, we're here at the A1A Resiliency Strike Team input session in Ormond and District 4 County Council member Troy Kent. And Troy, give us your input as to what you've seen tonight. Hi, Jim. So I saw several different options and I'm really pleased that the state has recognized something pretty significant has to happen relatively quickly to make sure we save A1A and the residences on the west side of A1A. Um, the option I actually like the most is, is a hybrid that they're not really talking about, but I like the secant wall with beach renourishment. They talked about putting sand in front of the wall, but I want to see some vegetation, any type of palm vegetation when you drive up and down A1A and you see the areas that uh, performed exceptionally well, they all had some type of um, either saw palm or sable palms on them. Mm -hmm. You'll notice those areas did exceptionally well. I like the secant wall because if a big enough storm comes and takes out the vegetation sure. and the dunes, then you have a barrier to save the road and to save the residences across the street. Okay, let's see what happens. Absolutely, we will. At their March 7 meeting, the County Council approved a $15.3 million five-year ECHO expenditure plan for county government projects. It will fund 43 projects, including 11 coastal projects at $5.9 million, 20 parks, recreation, and cultural projects at $3.3 million, six environmental management projects at $3.2 million, and six resource stewardship projects at $2.8 million. A detailed description of each division's projects may be found under volusia.org. Next item, Port Orange City Council recently selected Tracy Grubbs as its interim District 2 Council member. He will fill the spot left vacant by former District 2 Council member Kat Atwood, who resigned last month due to health reasons. Grubbs was selected from a pool of six people who applied for the interim position. He will serve as interim until the August election or the November runoff. Candidate qualifying will be June 12th through the 16th. Also on March 7, Ormond Beach Mayor Bill Partington stated that this will be his last term as mayor after 22 years of service on the city commission. He will be running for House District 28 currently held by Representative Tom Leake. Now, Representative Leake will be running for State Senate District 7 next year, which is currently held by Senator Travis Hudson, who is term limited. 
after twenty two years twenty three at the end of next year of service to the city of ormond beach i'm pleased and excited to announce that in such a time as this i will not seek reelection as mayor but i'm going to be running for the open florida house district twenty eight seat it continues to be an honor and a privilege to serve my hometown area of volusia county and the city of ormond beach and i'm so pleased that in my new role should the voters approve, I will continue working with and representing Ormond Beach and surrounding communities in a new capacity. Meanwhile, Ormond Beach Commissioner Susan Persis announced that she will run for the mayor's seat next year. More information forthcoming. Now, the elected officials roundtable met yesterday where they heard County Public Works Director Ben Bartlett discuss hurricane recovery efforts. He stated that 87 of 141 walkovers are open, four parks are open, three still closed, and 21 ramps are open for vehicle access. But county staff is working to open as many assets as possible by May the 1st. Now as for beach restoration, $5 million emergency sand placement using trap bags are being lined against upland property dune lines. And $37 million will go for dune renourishment and acquisition of sand sources. And a Florida Department of Environmental Protection grant contract is on the County Council agenda next week, March 21st. Next steps include acquiring easements from property owners for trap bags, sand placement, and debris removal. And public meetings will take place next week, Daytona Beach Shores, March the 20th, and New Smyrna Beach, March 27th. Now, emergency repair Permitting fees are being waived. Next item. Last week, President Biden proposed a $6.9 trillion budget, which would raise $4.7 trillion from higher taxes to invest in working class citizens. This is a reversal of Trump's 2017 tax cuts on people earning more than $400,000 a year and includes $2.6 trillion in new spending. Biden's spending priorities include paid family leave, child care, universal pre-K, and Board of Security. Now the gap between what is selected and what is spent will grow to $1.85 trillion next year this is not an austerity budget. Biden says this budget will be part of a $2.9 trillion 10-year deficit reduction plan, but it will not come from cutting the budget. Now, budget analysts say this plan can still reduce the deficit by $3 trillion over 10 years. However, there will still be deficits every year. 
I know it, it's, it, that sounds contradictory, but uh, a key figure to watch is the debt to gross domestic product ratio currently at 98%. This is something that budget watchers focus on. In other words, it's the national debt compared to the size of the U.S. economy. Now, meanwhile, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget says debt will exceed the size of the U.S. economy at a level not seen since post-World War II. At the same time, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wants to negotiate but not increase taxes at this time. It seems the House leadership and the White House are not yet ready to compromise. However, compromise is going to be inevitable if the debt ceiling is going to be raised, meaning the government is going to be funded and Medicare and Social Security are to be fully funded and viable. This is actually the opening volley between the President and Democrats and House leadership. As for the entire budget, federal spending is 62% mandatory spending, and Medicare and Social Security are about half of that. Discretionary spending is 30%, and military and defense spending is about half of that. The remainder is net interest at 8%, but that's growing. Now the problem, well, it's actual spending cuts can only come from that 30% discretionary spending portion, and those cuts will be felt by everyday citizens. Meanwhile, Congress will have to address the debt ceiling late this summer, and that is a real deadline with real consequences. It's likely hard negotiations won't happen until that deadline gets much closer, so stay tuned. Next item, I'd like to recommend another local podcast called The Smoking Truth, which is hosted by my friend Eric Ramundo and Deltona City Commissioner Dana McCool. They make a great team as they discuss state and local issues and interview some pretty exciting guests. So check it out, The Smoking Truth. And before we interview today's guest, I'd like to put in a word about Fountainhead. Jason Myers Headquarters Campus in Holly Hill for Synergy Billing. This facility is on the site of the old Holly Hill Middle School 1200 Center Avenue, just north of LPGA Boulevard. Synergy Billing, a medical billing and coding company, is just one segment of Fountainhead, and there's more to come, so stay tuned. DeLand Mayor Chris Cloudman was appointed to the City Commission in 2014 and was re-elected until he was elected mayor last year. Now, he and his wife, Megan, have two daughters, Emily and Isabel, and Chris obtained his, 
a bachelor's degree from University of Florida and an MBA from Stetson University. He also represents the land on the River to Sea TPO and East Central Florida Regional Planning Council as well as the Florida League of Cities. He's active with the Rotary Club of Downtown DeLand and is a mentor with the Futures Education Foundation and is a part of the DeLand Middle School Advisory Committee. We're sure glad to have you with us today, Chris. Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. How are things going into land? Things are going great into land. It's a fantastic city and no better place to live, work, or play. Well, fantastic. Uh, let me ask you this, a couple of things as it relates to uh, the city. I know y'all's last meeting or so that y'all are expecting SunRail. That should be coming in sometime next year, I believe it is. And so what are some of the things that the city of the land is doing to prepare for SunRail coming into the west of the city? Yeah, we're, we're excited. Um, you know, if all stays to plan, I think the DOT has said that by the end of 2024, we should see service. Um, you know, I, I actually enjoy riding it to take to different regional meetings in, in Orlando, so it'll be good. Um, now it is in an unincorporated county area of the land. Um, so we're working with the county to find solutions of that kind of last mile, first mile transportation. Um, you know, the county is working with Votran to offer most likely a mobility on demand, um, almost like a uh, an Uber style um, uh, transit from, from the station uh, into DeLand. Um, we're currently working on a study to look at connecting um, bicycle and pedestrian access to the, the station um, along Euclid Avenue through, uh, through the land, which would also connect to our, our Charles Piva Greenway that, that runs through the city and is getting ready to extend out to International Speedway as well. And then the, the last uh, bit that I know is happening is a, a, a subcommittee of our Main Street DeLand Association um, is actually looking at the possibility of a, a trolley um, that could go back and forth, uh, but also uh, throughout the town. And so they're, they're looking at um, that as an option right now too. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I like hearing that though. I mean, great ideas there. Um, Listen, I know y'all have had situations like any other city here, several other cities in the county, and that being panhandling. Now, Daytona Beach, they had a situation where they passed an ordinance back in 2019, though, and I believe y'all have been addressing panhandling. Uh, explain that a little bit more to me. Sure. You know, we're, we're looking at what, uh, how we can address it both ethically and legally, and and so we do have a panhandling ordinance. Um, it, it takes the side of looking at safety. So our, our ordinance actually looks at several of the major intersections um, and uh, to, uh, I guess, encourage 
um, panhandlers not to be at those intersections, as well as uh, people who are um, doing what what they believe is the, the right thing and giving money, um, but creating dangerous situations at, at very busy intersections, um, in, both for motorist and pedestrian safety, um, looking to avoid that. So similar to what Daytona Beach is actually doing, we're looking at putting signs up and encouraging um, folks to give to the neighborhood center, give to organizations that directly impact the, the homeless. Um, and then beyond that, of course, we're responsive to uh, any complaints that, that may be criminal in, in nature, because being homeless isn't criminal uh, on its own, but you know, vandalism and, and property destruction and, and the like is. Okay, but so, and again, your ordinance does not outlaw panhandling. It allows where it can and cannot take place, though. Correct. Um, you know, there's actually uh, a state statute that, that prohibits us from making it uh, completely out, outlawed or banned. Um, so we, we, it's a, a provision of uh, free speech and, you know, we have to allow Okay. Uh, another topic, though, that I've heard at y'all's meetings and such and want to commend you is uh, I know y'all been addressing affordable housing, attainable housing. And uh, explain a little bit of that more of that to me. Sure. So we, we've definitely participated with the county and in, in their rollout of uh, various ways to to address it. And then we've uh, at the city level looked at some of the immediate kind of low hanging fruit that we could we could uh, choose from. And, and so some of that included um, updating some of our ordinances to make it easier to build um, affordable options uh, within the core of the city, kind of doing some infill on smaller lots. Um, you know, whereas before uh, you couldn't build a, a home less than 12,000 square feet, um, we've reduced that to 900 um, and then willing to look at that further. Um, we have our, our, our new planning director looking at uh, the possibility of amending additional code um, to allow for uh, not getting around certain things, but, but ease, easing uh, the, the steps that have to be taken in order to um, provide that. We've had some great meetings here recently with um, a few developers who are, that is their uh, goal and it is their, their specialty, um, which is, all, is what I've always said is, is what we need, you know, to find those developers that they want to do it. Um, we often ask developers if they'd consider putting a certain number of attainable or affordable units within their developments, um, but that's not what they specialize in or could typically do. So. To make it happen, you really need partners that that you know that's their their passion and their goal. I believe y'all's ordinance also did. I, am I not mistaken that y'all were looking at different parking uh, adjustments? You know, to allow parking spaces for housing. Yeah, I think that'll be a future discussion to, to revisit um, in the in the initial discussion and an update on some of the um, the ordinances. Uh, it was the the majority of the commission wanted to 
keep the requirement for four parking spaces on site, no matter the size of the home. Um, you know, there were two of us that were a little more flexible, but we were in the mi minority at that time. So I think it's something to, to revisit. Okay. Uh, another topic though, uh, you know, at y'all's meeting the other night, uh, Monday night, I looked over and really was kind of sad to see, uh, well, somewhat mixed emotions. The Putnam Hotel has finally come down. And I know that's been a, it's been an eyesore though over there. I mean, and I think they're like uh, selling off some of the commemorative bricks and such to, uh, to benefit the, your Deland Historical Society. Have you got any plans for that site or have you heard of any plans for that site for Putnam Hotel? There's nothing concrete at this time. I mean, it is a privately owned uh, um, parcel. And so, uh, you know, I've heard rumors like a lot of people have, um, but I know the last that we spoke with the, the current landowner, their, their intention is still to develop something that would pay homage to the, the now former Putnam Hotel um, and looking at options of how that happens, whether being able to assemble any adjacent properties or you know build build what's what's there i think uh anyone moving forward on that site though will will have a, a i guess a good set of eyes uh, from the community looking over their shoulder because the, the expectation is there that um no matter what's built you know that it, it'll pay pay tribute to to the public well, you got a great downtown, especially Woodland, Woodland Boulevard and the and the side streets there, and it's it's a great location. You know, I mean for residential units. So uh, I think whatever you have go there, it's going to be you know it's going to work out fine. That's um, yeah, a great opportunity to extend the downtown. Um, you know, encourage people to walk that much further from from Woodland, and uh, I think there's an opportunity for even mixed use, maybe some retail or commercial on the, on the, along the road or on the first floor and residential above. Kind of fits into that theme. What is it? Live, work, and play. You know, I mean, you can live there, you know what I mean? So, sure. Um, another topic though, that everybody has to come up with uh, later on this year, and that being budget. Mm -hmm. And what is Deland's budget right now? So our, our budget for this fiscal year, uh, the total budget is is about a 143 or $153 million, um, but our general fund budget is $41 million. Um, and so that's where you, you see uh, parks and rec and fire and, and police and um, general services for the community come out of. Okay. Any, any challenges you see, foresee coming up uh, when y'all develop this year's uh, budget. Oh, absolutely. There's challenges every year. And, and like all businesses, we're facing um, you know, increases in uh, employee health insurance and costs uh, on materials and, and, and you know, the like. Um, and then there's the ongoing balance and challenge. You know, I, I've, for one, have been my entire time on the commission one that challenges the city manager to find a way to, to reduce the millage rate every year. Um, 
And so it's balancing those ever-growing needs and, and the fact that the city did really well um, after the downturn in the economy in 2007, 2008 timeframe, after the initial kind of reduction in workforce um, holding the line, but we got to a point where as the city grows, we need more uh, employees at all different levels. And so we've been slow to catch up. So it's, it, I, I admire our, our finance director and our, our city manager and, and all of the department heads because we challenge them to both grow to meet needs and to still be able to reduce that, that millage or at least hold the line every year. Well, and I'm throwing a different question at you, though, uh, and it still relates to your budget, I guess, and that being uh, this most recent uh, hurricanes, Ian and Nicole, how did the city fare with that? Did y'all have much damage in City of the Land from those hurricanes? Is that going to affect the budget? We did, um, not, not to the extent of uh, prior hurricanes, uh, but the City of the Land, uh, a number of years ago, actually um, introduced into, into the budget a hurricane relief fund, um, which is actually for any disaster that, that comes along and, and built it up you know, to about a $2 million mark in which we're able to, and I'm sure you're aware, but you know, when we do get reimbursed from FEMA for storms, you have to pay for the expense up front and get reimbursed. And so, it really has allowed us to be able to keep up with that, whether it's paying for uh, debris removal or any damage, uh, damages that have to be repaired, um, and still be able to operate like normal moving forward um, until those reimbursements come back from, from FEMA. So I think it was a, a really smart move a number of years ago, and it, and it and has worked for the last 10 years or so. Okay, okay. Um, and help me out on this. I know Deland, I believe, has been working with Orange City and what is it, Deltona, maybe, in kind of like a West Volusia Water Authority. Y'all have pulled your resources as it relates to uh, putting straws in the ground as for future water use. How's that working out? It's been a great partnership. So you're right, Deland, uh, Deltona, Orange City, and Volusia County themselves um, are the, the water service providers in West Volusia. And so we've worked well together and over the last couple of decades, um, looking to the future and working together to identify alternative water sources, um, ways to make sure that you know none of us are get into any bind uh, or, or, or bad situations. And so there, it's anywhere from uh, having interconnectivity that, um, you know, say if Orange City was to be running low on water, you know, having that interconnectivity to then working together to identify uh, new sources. And so, you know, we, we had a project with Orange City and Volusia County um, at an old borrow pit in Orange City that uh, we did exploratory uh, wells there. That one didn't work out, um, but we've been also been working out at the fairgrounds. Um, and so far we've actually had very good, good results, good news back from that, that in fact, uh, 
the um, the clarity or the purity of, of the water is actually better than anticipated um, and what what type of plant would be required for that would actually be less expensive than uh, would be needed had the water had to be treated you know to a higher level so um, very positive uh, outlook on the, on that and so we're moving to the next phase with, with that right Okay. Okay. Well, that, that sounds encouraging. That sounds, I like that. Um, well, tell you what, any closing comments that you'd like to share with us uh, on your tenure so far as mayor of the land? Um, sure. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to serve as, as the mayor of the land. Like I said in the beginning, I truly do believe it's the, one of the best cities in the world to live, work, and play. And uh, we have amazing uh, community members uh, that truly make the land what it is. And that means uh, from the various people and organizations that give back to the community to just this overall pride and uh, of community, um, you know, from shutting down a, a major uh, federal and state highway to have a high school homecoming parade um, to just the average Friday night downtown and the land is, is alive and vibrant. And I, I think it'll only get better. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, you have got an exciting downtown, lots of people walking the streets and such. I mean, just a lot of activity there. I mean, so uh, very, very uh, good downtown there. But uh, well, listen, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today, though, Chris. And, and let me just add, I'm very proud of you for the, for the job you're doing. Uh, not only as you did as a, uh, like say, on the on the uh, commission over there, though, but uh, as your new job as mayor, folks, I mean, I've known this young man for years and years and years. Our family, I mean, just I've known his family for more years than I'd like to admit, but uh, but no, seriously, proud of you and keep up the good work. Thank you, Jim. Take care. You too. And again, I'd like to thank our today's guest, DeLand Mayor Chris Cloudman, for joining us. And I want to announce that as of this minute, the U.S. debt stands at $31.5 trillion, and it's growing every day. Now, look for a new podcast episode to be released next week. And my legislative recap podcast this Friday. And the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which is emailed each month. And if you're not receiving it, call me at 566 2140, and if I miss your call and not return it in eight business hours, I'll pay you $1,000 cash. Now listen for my next legislative recap broadcast this Friday, March 17th, and each Friday morning where I'll focus on specific bills moving through the Florida House and Senate. And one more thing. I'd like to get your feedback on this podcast. Please email or text me your comments. 
And before I close, I'd like that, that you, and before I close, I'd like to ask that you support Central Florida Boy Scouts. They have their Golden Eagle Dinner coming up on May the 23rd. I'm going to be there, and this is something you also might want to attend. This is Jim Cameron signing off, saying peace, love, and roll tide.